You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, in the Katie Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can always join the Discord community. It's budding and it is growing. If you're on Discord, come join. There's a link to all that stuff in the show notes. And today I want to talk about an age-old debate of best player available versus need. It is kind of inspired by a tweet I saw from uh, Matthew Collar on, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, that basically said like, yeah, no, everybody says that therefore, you know, take the best player available, don't be a prisoner of the moment. And then, you know, you say, well, what about maybe taking a wide receiver instead of an offensive lineman and then people freak out right uh so uh, you know how much are you really for best player available versus need how much should you be and i think breaking down that dichotomy is a more important conversation than actually trying to come down on one side or another of it because i think that dichotomy forces us to be reductive about the way we kind of uh, approach like positional value in the draft. And before I get into that, though, I want to make sure we get to the prospect of the day. A lot of these guys are not going to be your blue chippers, your first round guys. We're going to make sure we get to know some in the mid rounds as well. Next guy that I want to talk about is Monty Rice, linebacker out of Georgia. He played the star position in Georgia. We talked a little bit about the star position in the way that Zimmer uses it. This is very similar, kind of a linebacker, uh, defensive back hybrid. The star in NFL schemes like Mike Zimmer's and like, you know, Gunther's and what he ran in in, uh, Vegas and also what they still run in Cincinnati, that is more of the nickel corner being like a liaison in coverage. The star in Georgia is more like the J-Ron curse role where he's sort of a, a rover and he sets edges and he, you know, contributes in the run game, but he's very much a coverage guy as well. You can think of Monty Rice as a little bit of a coverage linebacker. Now, the Vikings have a sneaky linebacker need. Not only do they kind of need a a third one, right? Right now, Nick Vigil is penciled into that job. That is not good enough. I don't think Nick Vigil, he's like the Dakota Dozier of linebackers to me. I'm not sure. He should probably not make the team for free. He should probably have to earn that. But even beyond that, Anthony Barr is on the last year of his deal now. Since he did his restructure, they voided the later years. So the Vikings do have a pending need at the linebacker position. And especially here in the mid-rounds, drafting for next year needs can be a pretty wise decision. Give me somebody who can start next year so that when there is a linebacker need next year, instead of this is a need we have to fill this offseason, it's this is a need we can fill with a guy who's been here for a year, right? Don't fill the need with rookies. Fill them with guys you drafted last year. This is why I'm... A Big reason I'm so in favor of replacing Riley Reef with Ezra Cleveland. That seemed like kind of the whole strategy. So with one of the gajillion mid-round picks the Vikings have, Monty Rice could be an option. Now again, he played that star position, so he's more of a coverage linebacker than like a, a blitzing linebacker. I don't think he's a one-to-one bar replacement, and I don't think you should be looking for a one-to-one bar replacement. You should be looking for somebody who he's, he's you know, he's closer to an Eric Wilson replacement, but you shouldn't be looking for people in the mold of old players. You should be looking for somebody who can offer you something and kind of hand that guy to the coaches and say, figure out how to use him within some reason. And I think you can 
figure out how to use Monty Rice. So he is a he's a good cover linebacker and he's a very quick reactor. He's a read and react and go attack kind of guy. And that's a very good thing. He's physical, he hits, he's competitive, and he can, you know, cover some of the basic responsibilities of linebacker. Um, I, I think it's the nuances of the game that are escaping him a little bit right now, and he's a little bit chaotic. He kind of runs himself out of position. This is uh, very similar to some of the problems that, like, Troy Dye would have. He'd get a little too excited, and he'd run a little bit too hard, and he wouldn't time it up quite right. And then he would have weird tackling moments, or he would give up a catch in coverage or something like that. And that's kind of what he needs to do to take the next step to become an NFL-quality player. And in the fourth round, I think that's... a decent enough project to take on Monty Rice. The reason I actually brought up Monty Rice, too, is because I saw Betts at Chalkboard, B-O-R-E-D, uh, on Twitter talk about him as his like favorite linebacker in the class, and he's like a fourth-round guy, so I thought that was really interesting, and I think that's because Betts sees a lot on the tape, sees a lot of instinct on the tape, and sees him do very good things in the run game, and he's a good gap fitter, and he can kind of do the basic responsibilities of a linebacker, which means he's a guy that can get on the field right away, and I think that's where he's coming from, and I think the general kind of nuances of the game is what is separating him from somebody who's higher up in the class like a Micah Parsons or something but I don't think uh, he's too far away from being a good pick. I think Monty Rice would be a good pick for somebody to get and, and put in their rotation be that third linebacker or just be somebody that comes in in like obvious cover situations um, or you know just be a backup that can be good at coverage and uh, you know be be rangy enough and kind of play that position I think he is very much built in the mold similarly to Eric Wilson, but with uh, a little bit more control, he can be a much more sound player than Eric Wilson, who, by the way, rejoins Anthony Harris in Philadelphia. Hadn't got around to covering that, but we're not going to get distracted today. We're going to talk about best player available versus need. And again, this is a dichotomy that I think you should probably think of as a false one because I, I just never have liked this dichotomy. I, I think there are better questions to ask, which is like, how does need alter your strategy from pure best player available. Because if you just did a position agnostic big board and you just said, okay, who's best at the thing that they do? You'd have like long snappers in the top 50, right? Of course, you're not going to do that. So need affects things to some degree. And I think asking the question, how does need reshuffle the board for, for the way that teams draft and the way that teams should draft, right? The way they do and the way they should. Uh, how does need play into all that, I think, is the better conversation to have. So we're going to have that conversation today. But first, did you know that you can bet on the NFL draft? Who do you think's going third overall? Obviously, Mac Jones is the odds-on favorite. He has one to two odds on betonline.ag. But if you think it's Justin Fields, he's five to one. And uh, Trey Lance is 13 to four. Even Zach Wilson's 14 to one if you the Jets are going to do something weird in front of the 49ers. Whoever you think it is, if you think you can make a buck, I mean, if you think it's going to be Mac Jones, the odds aren't great there, but you can head over to betonline.ag. If you don't have an account, it's easy to make one. It's free to sign up. Just go uh, to betonline.ag on your mobile, on your computer, and set up your account. When you deposit the actual money to gamble with for the first time, if you enter promo code locked on, you get even more gambling money for free. That's right. They will match you 50%. That's their welcome bonus if you enter promo code locked on. For every $100 you put in as part of your first deposit, you get 50 bucks extra on top of that to play with at betonline.ag. Get all the sports news you need 
in less time with the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski, under 20 minutes covering everything in the wide world of sports, basketball, baseball, football, and everything else that is on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So let's set up where we're going here with the uh, the, the conversation of best player available versus need. You know, let's say there's a phenomenal defensive tackle available when the Vikings pick at 14. Uh, there's an okay guard. Who do you take, right? The, the defensive tackle is the better player. The guard's the worst player, but you need a more who do you take. That's usually the philosophical conversation. But I think that is, and that's the, the like first place we always go, right? But that, I think, is a scenario that is very rare. It's very rare that there's just this unbelievably good player and it's, ah, but it's at a position you just don't need. And then there's this, like, okay player at a position you do need and what do you do? I think it's much more common that there's a a player at a position you kind of need and a player at a position you need more but who is a little bit less good. And I think in that scenario, I think just defaulting to one philosophy or the other is going to make you wrong more often than if you take it case by case in that. That's obviously going to be the best, uh, the, the best move. So I talk a lot about having a need influenced board. So if you make like a position agnostic board and you say, all right, whatever, kickers are going to be above quarterbacks. That's fine. The whole deal. Right. And then you start making decisions about who you would take over whom, right? So if you had, uh, again, if you had uh, Christian Barmore and you have, you know, a first round grade on him and you're looking at Wyatt Davis and you have a second round grade on him, you might take Wyatt Davis over Christian Barmore because you don't need a defensive tackle. Maybe a harder example, if you're looking at Rayshon Slater, the, the tackle guard out of Northwestern or Patrick Sertan, the Alabama corner. And let's say you have roughly the same opinion of both. You think they're about the same quality of player at their respective positions and forget positional value Let's say you you think tackles and cornerbacks are about the same value. I actually think that's probably close to reality. Then the positional value thing comes in. You need a tackle more than you need a quarter a cornerback, so you take the tackle. And that seems like a pretty easy way to to like point out where need comes in. But that goes a little bit too far because those are two assumptions that are really really hard to find in real life. To find two players that you're exactly as high on, it's a total tie. And there's no positional value uh, distinctions to be made. And there's no like that vacuum doesn't exist. We are all we are never comparing a tackle to a cornerback in a vacuum. We are comparing Patrick Sertan versus Rishon Slater. And the thing is, if I put that to a vote, it's not going to be 100% to to 0% one way or the other, even though the Vikings need offensive line more than they need a corner, a cornerback. So you have to make that decision and you, you can, you know, put in things like, do they have off field stuff? What about, you know, Sertan's connection with Carl Scott? That seems like that would be a boon. It would add a little bit of value for the Vikings. When does he get on the field? How does he get on the field and all that stuff and, 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 and uh, assigning that need is also something that I think is not quite as simple as just going over the like 11 main position groups and being like, all right, we want quarterbacks and then we think wide receivers are the next most important and then we think cornerbacks are the most important. And then like you can't just rank them and kind of call it a day and you can't just rank them by need and say, all right, well, you know, quarterbacks most important, but we have Kirk Cousins. So that's probably less uh, less likely of a need than like guard. We need a guard really bad. So we'll put guard at the top. And like, that's not the calculus. You're picking players, not positions and ultimately and this is something that i think is more of a truism than it get than than people are going to be willing to accept here this might be a bit of a hot take but i think if the player you picked turned out well you're very rarely going to hear positional value gripes from people unless like a kicker or whatever but for the most part i mean there's a lot of talk about like oh they shouldn't have taken a center in garrett bradbury if that guy was elton jenkins and he was a good offensive lineman i don't think we would hear a peep 
I think people generally just care that the player is good. And I think that's good. I, I think people should embrace and accept that. I think they should just care that the player is good. And if you get a lot of good, it's really hard to get a team with a whole bunch of good players on it, but like the positional value was misallocated and so the team ends up bad. Any, like I think that's really hard to do. I think if you have a team constructed of good players, you can find a way to win football games with it. But that doesn't necessarily encourage you to split hairs over which player is slightly better than the other if you think that you maybe need one more. And it also does, I don't think, encourage you to split hairs the other way by saying, well, you know, I think we need a tackle just a little bit more than we need a cornerback, so we're going to go with this guy. I just don't think that should be the calculus. I think if you have a tie between two players, if you cannot decide between Rayshon Slater and Patrick Sertan, they're going about the same place in mock drafts, and which is, so they're the kind of the example that I've picked. If you can't, if, if those players are both on the board and you just can't decide without defaulting to, ah, well, I'm going to take the tackle because we need offensive line. I encourage you to look deeper into those players and find something that breaks the tie for you that is specific to those players. And I encourage you to think about need and positional value and stuff in a different context, not to give up on the concepts altogether. I don't, that's not what I'm advocating here. But I get questions uh, just about every single mailbag, um, and I get questions close to every day in DMs and stuff about what should the Vikings do at 14? And the answers that people are looking for, they want me to say like, oh, they should pick a guard or they should pick an edge rusher or they should pick a cornerback. They, they want me to answer like that so that they can know what positions to look for and stuff like that. And I think that's why they're asking, right? And I, I want to encourage you to think a little bit deeper. And sometimes people ask, who should the Vikings take? Like, who are the picks, right? Who's, who's it going to be, right? That's a much better question. Who's it going to be? Not what position is it going to be? And I, I think as we get closer to the draft, people start asking the who's who question a little more than the which position question, which is good. But, you know, in the, in the January, February parts of the offseason, people go, I don't know, tackler, edge rusher. And it's like, I don't know, man, who, who are the players? So maybe later on in this draft process, we'll try to kind of simulate that calculus where we we come up with our need-influenced big board for the Vikings, and that is the the thing that answers all of the questions of who the Vikings should take at 14, you know, best per, highest person on this list and we'll order the list accordingly. But right now you're making a lot of those decisions ahead of time. You're not targeting a position, right? I, I hear that phraseology all the time. It drives me nuts. The Vikings are targeting edge rusher or they're going to target a cornerback or they should target a guard. No, they're not targeting any positions. They have their board. It's need influenced, right? You will let your, uh, your, your needs kind of influence what you want, right? If you think Christian Barmore is a better player than Quiddy Pay, but you need an edge rusher more than you need an interior guy, you're going to have Quiddy Pay above that guy. And then, of course, there's the actual value that we do, like, probably should uh, bake into this as well, where we say, hey, you know, maybe we move all the quarterbacks up a little bit and we move the kickers down a little bit, right? We move the running backs down a little bit. We might move the guards down less than we usually would because the Vikings need a guard. That is, I think, a really big part of this is, you know, there's a lot of talk about ah, guards don't really matter. And the argument, I think, makes sense. It's rooted in a lot of analytics and a lot of, you know, when guards play well, the offense doesn't surge as much as when other positions play well. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, guards end up in double teams a lot more so they can mess up the play, but somebody else can take over for them. And, uh, you know, interior pressure on the whole doesn't affect quarterbacks as much as pressure off the blind side, you know, coming off the edge, you know. That's kind of the basic argument for, for like, people who say guards don't matter. 
But if you have to go to Dozier, it can matter, right? And the Vikings need one. So maybe guards don't matter for everybody else, but they matter to the Vikings, and the Vikings have an opportunity to improve their offense a lot by taking a guard, both in the short and in the long term. So that's why I'm on board for a guy like Rayshon Slater and, and kicking him into guard. Or that's why I'm like really into the idea of trading back to pick like 18 and taking Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, as far back as you can get and get Elijah Vera Tucker and have him play guard, and then you drafted a guard. First round guard, I have absolutely no problem with that because the Vikings need one really bad. And that's that's not just, oh, it's an emergency. We definitely need a guard. It's the Vikings stand to improve their team a lot by taking this guy because this guy will get on the field. He will uh, fix a problem and in, that will be a problem both in the short term and the long term if it goes unaddressed. So this guy is going to you know play out his rookie contract and be important to the Vikings. That is, I think, where need comes in. So you would put Elijah Vera Tucker over Caleb Farley, even though cornerbacks are way more important than guards, because the Vikings need a guy like that more than they need a cornerback coming off an injury problem. But you're making that decision. You can't say, well, if Caleb Farley didn't have an injury problem, maybe we'd put him above. That's useless. Who needs to know that? You're going to pick Elijah Vera Tucker over Caleb Farley because that's the decision that you've made. And it all bakes in picking it all apart and putting it in a vacuum doesn't end up giving us a lot of equity in the end game. Ultimately, it's a need-influenced big board. There's some things that I think also play into that need that I want to talk about as well. But first, let's talk about the best-tasting protein bar ever. They have all kinds of wild flavors built bar that you don't think you should be able to have if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. If you're on keto, all this stuff's keto-friendly. They have stuff like cookie dough chunk and like churro marshmallow puff, these like super decadent treats that you just don't think you should be able to have and call it like a high-protein, low-sugar snack, but that's what it is. If you head on over to BuiltBar.com, you can get a box for yourself, try some of these out, and you can use the promo code LOCKED 15. That's locked one five, all one where you can get 15% off of your order. That's at builtbar.com. So there's two like major factors that I want to talk about when it comes to actually figuring out what your needs are, because it's a lot more than just what the Vikings were bad at this year, right? Obviously, you've got players coming back. It's like, what holes do the Vikings have on the roster? But I think you need to think a little bit further than that, even. And I think snap availability is the way to put this, right? Because again, if the Vikings have a need at guard, it still might not be a more equitable thing to do than taking, say, an edge rusher, which I actually do advocate for taking an edge rusher over a guard. Uh, I wrote that article and did that podcast earlier this week if you missed it. But I think you can ask an even simpler, more elegant version of the question, which is how are we getting this guy on the field? How many snaps is this guy going to take? There is an argument against taking a skill player. It's not what I necessarily agree with, but at least it illustrates this point well, which is who is he taking snaps from, right? Who is he taking targets from? And, you know, Kyle Rudolph did not have that many targets in the Vikings offense in 2020. So if you're taking a first round wide receiver and just giving him the Kyle Rudolph targets or a first round tight end, like if you take Kyle Pitts or whatever, and just putting him, giving him the Kyle Rudolph market share, well, he has to take away targets now from Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. And do you really want to do that? And I think the answer is that, you know, the passing volume would expand some anyways. If you took a wide receiver in the first round, you would use different personnel packages and it would probably naturally cause cause you to run less because you'd be in 11 more than you'd be in 12 if you took a wide receiver because you're replacing a tight end with a wide receiver. So it would just kind of like naturally follow if like Devonta Smith fell and you just did that. So I guess I disagree with the result that it brings you there, but that process is the correct lens through which to look at it. And remember with this, and this is the second thing is there are more years than next year than, than just this year, right? There's next year, there's the year after. These players should be thought of as four year assets. I think that's the way to think of it, you know, with the, with the draft. You should get four 
years out of this player. And if they get to a second contract, excellent. But for the most part, your team is going to be made up primarily of players you acquired in the last three or four years. It's very rare that you have, you know, the Vikings have Kyle Rudolphs and Adam Thielen sometimes, but for the most part, your roster is going to be constructed out of people that you drafted and, and, and signed in the last three or four years. So that's why when it, when there is a concern, somebody's coming off an injury, and unless it's one of those things where they're coming off of an injury and it's a red flag that they might not be able to play or they might be prone to this injury in the future, that's different. But when it's, they might not be ready for the season right away, I kind of want to pounce on that because that means the guy is going to fall further than he should on the board because of his immediate availability, but this is a four-year deal. If he misses two games of that, that makes a very small difference in my mind. But beyond that, we are we should still talk about like snap availability here, right? Think about taking a linebacker, somebody like Monty Rice. He ain't getting on the field in his first year, right? Unless Kendricks or Barr gets hurt and, you know, he has to. So he is probably going to like play rotationally or sit on the bench for most of his first year, but you get years two, three, and four if you don't want to re-sign Barr, you have that option available to you. So you get three of those four years, and I think, again, for a fourth round pick, if he starts for three years, that's a slam dunk, right? So the availability is not a concern, the snap availability is not a concern there. If Monty Rice deserves snaps, he would get snaps on the Vikings. Now, of course, sometimes guys can't get on the field because they suck and because you missed on the pick, but I think that that's more, again, you got to evaluate it right, right? And if you evaluate things wrong, there is no strategy that makes it work. And if you evaluate things properly, there's very few strategies that would actually ruin that. So we kind of have to assume when we're talking philosophically that you got the evaluation somewhat close to right and kind of play into only the scenario where this guy has, you know, proves that he can earn snaps. But what you don't want to do is have a scenario where a guy proves that he's earned snaps and then can't get on the field because of someone else in front of him, right? This is kind of, I think, the critique with what the Packers did with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love could be a good quarterback, but unless you're getting rid of Aaron Rodgers, you're never going to bench Aaron Rodgers, right? Like that would be such a, a beyond the pale move. So you could be in a situation where you drafted a guy in the first round, you evaluated him correctly, but you ruined it. That's one of the few situations. Now that might all end up being worth it if Jordan Love is a good quarterback and they have him for 15 more years or whatever, right? And he can and he ends up, you know, developing properly and all that stuff. And that might be their plan here. But you still have to acknowledge that as an additional cost that, you know, we didn't get that guy on the field for two or three years. And of his rookie contract, you know, we only got the last one. And then we had to start making decisions on that guy before he got on the field. That's the whole problem and why all the Packers fans are mad about the whole Jordan Love situation. That's why they were so pissed off last year. For the Vikings, it means maybe we should reassess what our idea of the need is. And I don't think putting, you know, offensive line and defensive end at the top of the board is going to change. I think those are the most important needs. And so that means that the offensive linemen and the defensive ends are going to move the furthest up the board. Again, positional scarcity is another thing here, though. When you talk about influencing that big board, the there is not much scarcity of defensive end. There's so many defensive ends out there. So you don't need to push them up that much. So they probably won't be pushed up everybody's board as much as they should be if you need an edge rusher. Desperation doesn't mean picking Quiddy Pay at 14 is going to be any different than picking Quiddy Pay at 18, but you trade it down, you still get Quiddy Pay. All you're doing by, you know, trading down is risking the certainty of getting Quiddy Pay, but if you miss out at him and you get Jalen Phillips instead or whatever, you might be just fine with that. So for the Vikings, you still have that long-term and short-term edge rusher needs. You have long-term and short-term offensive line needs. You don't have a short-term linebacker need, but you have a long-term one, right? Because Anthony Barr's contract is going 
going to run out. You have a huge long-term cornerback need. So a first-round cornerback is justifiable if only because they only have two cornerbacks that are starting quality and under contract in 2022, and one of them got arrested this week. So maybe Patrick Sertan can be the pick at 14 if he ends up falling there. He's obviously somebody that would be worth that. I think he gets mocked in the top 10 for most of the draft sims that I've seen. And, uh, you know, so it's not like you're reaching for the guy and it's not like there is some abundance of cornerback beyond just this year. All these guys, you know, Patrick Peterson, his contract runs out. Mackenzie Alexander, his contract runs out. And of course, you're going to be cap strapped next year. So you might not want to have to uh, fill that position with an expensive free agent. I think the same thing could be applied to linebackers. There's not a lot of linebackers I like. I think Michael Parsons is a good player, but he has very similar off-field issues you might not want to deal with. But corner and linebacker, in terms of being something that they spend a big asset on, is justifiable because there are more years than than just this year. And spending a draft pick on a need that you're going to have next year is generally a wise thing to do. Doing that over a more pressing need that you have this year, I mean, you know, it depends on the players who are available, right? If you're passing up on a good edge rusher to get, you know, Caleb Farley and maybe he can't even start yet, that's not necessarily the best bet. But if Caleb Farley falls to the third round because of his uh, back issue and you know you're not even going to need him till next year, then maybe there's great value to be had there. I think the general point I want you to take away from this is to stop thinking about teams as targeting certain position groups and to start thinking of teams as targeting certain players. Who are they going to take? Who is the player? Because not all position groups are built equally. Not all draft classes are built equally. The edge rushers are better than the guards this year. So they're going to navigate that just as much as they are going to navigate their need of one or the other. That's where I stand on the best best player available versus need kind of situation. We're going to talk a lot more next week about the draft. We've got Mock Draft Monday, Twitter Tuesday, of course, to get your questions in at Luke Braun NFL at Locked On Vikings on Twitter. You can also find a Google form in the show notes if you would rather do that. If you've got a longer form question that's too long for Twitter, sometimes people send big paragraphs through the Google form. That's what it's there for. I'll see you all next week. And as always, skull.